1: Welcome everyone to the first edition of the Rise and NFL Draft podcast on the CFB Nation channel, a part of, brought to you by IrishBreakdown.com. I, of course, am Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting at IrishBreakdown.com, as well as an NFL Draft Analyst at RiseAndDraft.com as well. This was an exciting opportunity to bring to you all a little bit of NFL Draft coverage now that we are officially in draft season. The NFL, the uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl, excuse me, kicked off this weekend, uh, this week, of course, out of Mobile, Alabama, one of the major pre draft events of the season. And this is this podcast has kind of been in the making now for a couple of months. I remember Brian Driscoll, of course, publisher at IrishBreakdown.com, came to me and said, Hey, Ryan, do you want to do a draft show? And I said, does a bear poop in the woods. Of course, I want to do a draft show, man. So I am pumped up here on today's first episode. Perfect timing as we are in the midst of Senior Bowl week, now in day three of on-field practices. Want to talk a few of the risers from this week in the 2023 NFL Draft, as well as hit a mailbag at the end. If you're a part of the Irish Breakdown Premium Message Board at Boards at I made a post last night asking people to ask me some questions for a little bit of a mailbag segment at the end. So before we begin, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Five-star reviews are always very much appreciated. Hope you all enjoyed the content as I work through a few of the standout players from this first from this week of senior bowl practices. So this is obviously NFL draft centric, not as much getting into the Notre Dame side of things, but I will obviously throughout this process every week, Thursday night, eight o'clock Eastern, I will talk about some Notre Dame players. I'll talk about the full landscape of the NFL draft as we have 69 early entries in the draft. We have obviously two rosters, the National American of the top seniors that are down in Mobile, Alabama. So let's kick it off with some of my, I picked six players that I foresee as risers from this week in Mobile, Alabama. The first player I want to hit on, and when we get into these draft settings, the big thing that people want to see and the big thing that scouts want to see are the one-on-ones. And that's one-on-ones both from an offensive line and defensive line perspective, the pass rush one-on-ones. It's also the inside run one-on-ones, which was run blocking between the offensive linemen, defensive linemen. It's literally mano-a-mano, mano, which is a great opportunity to isolate traits that players have as football players, whether that is length, athleticism, brute strength, power. You can really forecast kind of what you see for their long-term potential based upon individual traits at these events. And then you also, of course, have the wide receiver defensive back one-on-ones that will show the ability for wide receivers to get in and out of breaks, create separation for defensive backs to play man-to-man coverage.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: I want to start in the trenches because that's kind of where my home is in the NFL draft space. John Michael Schmidt's center out of the University of Minnesota, came in this week with, I think, a lot of expectations that he had an opportunity to solidify himself. As if he's not the top center off the board, he's certainly within the top two to three when April officially does kick off. John Michael Schmitz came into the week weighing in at six foot three and three eighths, so a hair under six foot three and a half, three hundred six 306 pounds. Thirty-two and three-quarter inch arms, so nearly thirty-four inch arms, and a seventy-eight and 7 inch wingspan, so a seventy-nine inch wingspan, just a hair under. So he weighed in well. I mean, we had the preseason numbers on John Michael Schmidt because he's a player that people have known about for a couple years now. So you saw the measurements kind of checks the bo- check the box, and that's really, honestly, what Senior Bowl Week is. It's a resume process. You know, you come in. You meet with the teams, check character side of things. Physical profile, you hit those thresholds that everyone loves, the physical met- thresholds from the arm length, size, all that body type perspective, that's another check. Then you go on the field and you showcase your talents. Those are the pretty much the checklist of the process of the Senior Bowl week. John Michael Schmitz got things started off well, looked the part, and quite frankly, over the first couple of days of practice, he has just been an impenetrable force on the offensive line, on the American side of things. He plays with incredible, with an incredible base, has a very nice power profile, can really anchor down against more powerful rushers. I mean, you've seen that basically all week. No matter what interior defensive lineman that he is going against, whether it's the Zach Pickens of the world from South Carolina or some of the twitchier interior rushers that are kind of more of the tweener mold, he really did a great job when someone is trying to get down straight into his chest and really try to push the pocket. John Michael Schmidt was able to sit down on that power and then showcase that he has a power profile to withstand even the stronger, strongest of of interior rushers on the next level. And I think that that tough profile, you know, he's a Midwestern kid, went to the University of Minnesota, there's a preconceived notion that that's what he is, right? He's just this mauling presence on the inside with his power profile. And then you see him in space. And I think that that's what the team opportunities parts of practice for John Michael Schmitz really did. You saw him involved in the screen game. You saw him running some inside and outside zone, getting down to the second level. John Michael Schmitz may not be a Jason Kelsey brand of athlete or a Tyler Linderbaum that came out of Iowa brand of athlete. But he's very good for his size. He's bigger, obviously, than both those players. He can move to the second level, can get out in space. There's really no hole in John Michael Schmitz, which is why he was a player that was going to do well in this type of event. You know, from a from a ability to sit down on power and anchor, ability to get out in space. He just kind of checks a lot of boxes. Is John Michael Schmitz necessarily elite in any one side of the conversation? I wouldn't say so. I think he's good to very good in all areas, but that's what makes him such a impressive center prospect: is the fact that he's not flashy. But the center position is one where you're more predicated on the consistency from a snap to snap perspective, from a game to game perspective, and that's what you get out of John Michael Schmitz. Leaving this week, I thought he came into the week fighting with guys in the realms of the Ricky Strombergs of the world out of Arkansas. Jared Patterson out of Notre Dame is a kid that has some fans. I think that John Michael Schmitz may have left the Senior Bowl week as the preconceived and almost consensus center one in this class. And I think that when Abel comes around, you're going to be hearing his name in the late first round, early second round conversation if you aren't already because I think that he just checks so many boxes. So great week for John Michael Schmitz. I think that he was – I mean, everyone kind of lost their minds with DeWan Jones, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State the first day, and I I understood it to a, to a large degree. But I think that John Michael Schmitz, for both the American and the national side of things, was probably the most consistent offensive line from day one to finish. He really had a really nice week of practice and showed himself as potentially the top center in the class. National Two-time national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, have had a lot of talent, obviously, in this in, on this team of the last two years. Last 2022 NFL draft, they had 15 players drafted. And with how well they have recruited, how well they have developed talent, most years, if a team lost 15 players, they would take a serious step back. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs did not do that in 2023. They went undefeated, won the national championship game, dominated TCU 65-7 to in the national title contest. So Georgia was a very good football team, once again, a dominant force. And one player that is not at near the top of the list of conversation pieces when people talk about the most impactful players, they're going to talk about the Stetson Bennetts. They're going to talk about the Brock Bowers. They're going to talk defensively about Jalen Carter. And again, for good reason, all fantastic football players, especially in the college level. But one player that was severely underrated for this team that was vital for the Georgia Bulldogs to go back-to-back was Christopher Smith, defensive back, number 29, a little bit of an undersized player, came into the week, measured in at 5'10 and some change. I have the actual measurement right here somewhere. So Christopher Smith, safety out of Georgia, was 5'10 and two-eighths, so 5'10 and a quarter, 188 pounds, so a lighter build, He did have 31 and 8 inch arms, so pretty good length for safety his size and a 75 inch wingspan. So the length was actually pretty good for a guy like a Christopher Smith, but the weight is one. It's 188 pounds. So he's a lighter build playing on the defensive side of the football. And what I was really interested to see with Christopher is that I mean, I love the kid on film this year. I gave him a a. A early third round grade when I did my evaluation on him because I see just so much proactiveness as a, in the passing game. Played from depth a ton at Georgia, which means that he was playing obviously on the back end on the roof for a defense that asked him to play well, not a cover one, some cover two. Was really asking him to be that true free safety type for their defense. He made a lot of plays in that department, man. I just feel like he's one of those kids. That is never in bad position. And is just a good all-around athlete for everything you ask him to do. But the great opportunity at these types of events is that players are going to be asked to do things that they are typically not have did not get asked to do on the college football level. Christopher Smith's biggest impact this week was not as a deep zone coverage player that has the opportunity to show show off range and his eye discipline on the back ends. They asked Christopher Smith to come up and play a lot of man-to-man this week. He was manning up on smaller slot receivers, was manning up on some bigger tight ends. I mean, he had a tremendous play, I believe it was the first day against Luke Musgrave. Excuse me, who was a tight end out of Oregon State, the son of Bill Musgrave, longtime NFL assistant, who is being billed by some as a top 50 potential pick. And Chris Smith, Christopher Smith, despite being you know, seven inches shorter plus and about 70 pounds lighter, blanketed Luke Musgrave. Absolutely matched physicality, played man-to-man coverage. And that profile is so – it's just so attractive on the next level because you'll see safeties on the next level that are really good on the roof, awesome, or they're really good coming down, playing short zones, great or they're really good playing man-to-man coverage but you don't usually see guys that can do a little bit of everything right that's when you go from a solid to good football player to a very impactful one because Christopher Smith despite having a profile that says he's a true free safety type needs to play from distance he came into this week and he showcased that he has man-to-man skills and that is so important for a defense especially one that wants to play a lot of cover two, a lot of too high that likes to rotate safeties down. Whether Christopher Smith is getting rotated to the middle of the field, pre or post snap to play a single high free safety look, or he's coming down to play man to man coverage against slots. He has everything working for him. And that kid is just so valuable to an NFL defense. And he might end up being more of a Rodney McLeod type of football player where he's a really good impactful football player, but he doesn't have the flashy stats. He doesn't stuff the stat sheet. But what he does for a defense is just so impactful. So I came into the week a fan of Christopher Smith. I think that he's rising up boards right now because he showed a layer to his football game that he honestly did not show a ton of at Georgia. So Christopher Smith my second guy that I think took a massive step forward this week down in Mobile for the Reese Senior Bowl Number three, who I think may honestly be the most dominant player on either side of the ball this week and certainly the most dominant defensive lineman that I have seen personally this week in Mobile. And that is Keanu Benton, who is a defensive tackle out of the University of Wisconsin. Weighed in this week 6'3 and four 4'8", so 6'3 and a half was 312 pounds, which was actually a little bit lighter than what he had played at during the season. It was more in the 320 range. 33 and three-quarter-inch arms, which for comparison, especially if you're a Notre Dame fan listening, is the same arm length as Isaiah Foskey, and we know that we laud him for his length. 81 and three-quarter-inch wingspan. So this is a long, physical, powerful kid who if you turn on the Wisconsin film, he was a true nose in that three-man alignments. He was a guy that was just beating up on centers constantly, right? Crazy, creating creating conflict in the backfields, just working that point of attack and being an Im- immovable object. And you saw that this week. You saw those things. And honestly, that profile gives you such a high floor on the next level. Because if you're a guy that can impact the game on first and second down in obvious running situations, that you have a role. Right, you have a baseline, you have a floor to be an impactful football player. But for people that don't know, Keanu Benton was actually limited this year a little bit from a from a production perspective because he was banged up all year. He was dealing with a lower body injury and it was more nagging injury than anything serious, but I was told from people kind of behind the scenes that Keanu Benton probably shouldn't have been playing. Like that's kind of the point blank to it. He probably should have just kind of took a step back rested the rest of the season, got right for the draft process conversation, but he chose to play. He chose to play, which I think a lot of evaluators are going to look at and kind of tip your hat to him for a second, right? Because it's like he didn't have to do that, and he sacrificed his health for his teammates and wanted to go out on top as a fifth-year senior and do what he could for the Wisconsin program. So hat tip for him for that, but I think that you saw this week there's a lot more impact than just what the game film said in 2022. He was an absolute wrecking ball as a pass rusher this week. And it wasn't just overwhelming interior offensive lineman at the point of attack. It was the ability to really work gap to gap, to kind of get some arm overs, to swim, to club rip. He threw in some things in his arsenal that you didn't see at Wisconsin a ton. So I leave this week, and I actually thought about – I Keanu Benton, for anybody that is out there that hasn't listened to me in the past, I've been a big fan of Keanu Benton for some time. But I think he really showcased all the things I thought he had in him, the foot quickness, the explosiveness, the the ability to change direction, which is I think is pretty rare for his size. He showcased that this week. So now people's perceptions of two down nose, true nose tackle – I think are a little bit out the window. Like this kid is not just a nose tackle in my opinion. This is not just Jonathan Hankins. I think that he can play three tech. I think he can play four four I with the length that he has. This is a movable chess piece on the interior of a defensive line that can do all the dirty work. There's no doubt. But the twitchiness, the explosiveness that he has can be. Absolutely impactful on the next level. So he was a handful for opposing offensive linemen this week, especially for the interior defensive, uh, interior offensive linemen, excuse me, that were on site at the senior bowl. I think Keanu Benton was a slam dunk second or third round pick coming into this week. I would be surprised if he got out of the top 50. There's still going to be some people that are going to question overall upside with his style. And I understand that conversation to a point, but personally speaking, I would draft Keanu Benton in the late first round, and I wouldn't think twice about it. But regardless, I still think he's going to end up being a top 50 pick because when he goes to the combine here in a few weeks, at the end of of, uh, February and the beginning of March, I think he's going to test really well. The explosive numbers, I think, are going to match the upside that he has, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's a late first-round pick when all is said and done. But regardless, top 50 pick Keanu Benton leaving the week. One of the more fascinating stories of a player – coming into 2022 that you didn't know a lot about is Dan Henley, who is a linebacker out of Washington state, a sixth year player. So he's been around the block, but the, but he hasn't been around the block at Washington state university. He hasn't been there. He was at the university of Nevada originally was a safety recruit when he first came in. And now he has grown to this right around six foot one, he's six foot and seven eight. So six foot one, 230 pound linebacker who he lost obviously lost a little bit of weight coming into the event he played more in the 235 ish range 30 33 inch arms and a 78 and three quarter inch wingspan he's got the longest wingspan is John Michael Schmitz who again is an offensive lineman comparative to a linebacker. Diane Henley had a tremendous season this year tremendous very instinctual football player downhill physical. He has no remorse for anybody in front of him. He will bring his pads, come to balance, and deliver blows as a run defender. And he's got the safety background. So he's actually a really good athlete. Really good athlete. At Washington State, they used him more, though, as a downhill player. He blitzed a ton, which you saw again this week in Mobile, that he can defeat some blocks in the, in the the as a blitzer, and he can finish at the quarterback. But the things that were most impressive this week for Diane Henley – is that you saw him in space a ton this week in pass coverage. In the the one-on-one running backs versus linebacker drills in the pass coverage perspective, he was dominant this week. I mean, there's no other way to phrase it. Evan Hall from Northwestern, who's a really good receiving back, could not get any separation on him running option routes, zero. Chase Brown, a fan favorite out of Illinois, who is a really good and, and pretty twitchy football player, could not create any separation against Diane Henley. Whether it was running backs running wheels, whether they were running angle routes, whether they were running option routes, there was just no separation that could be created. In a class of linebackers that is coupled names up top, like Trenton Simpson, Noah Souls of the world, the Jack Campbells, I think that Diane Henley is one of the most underrated linebackers in this class. I would not be shocked if he's a late day two pick when all is said and done, a third rounder at least an early four, because I think that he has upside as a starting Mike at the next level. And he showed this week again, that he's a better athlete than maybe some people anticipated coming into the week. But Diane Henley leaves as one of the big risers. And I think that he is one of the absolute best linebackers in the 2023 class. Next guy I wanted to hit on number five on the list was a guy that most people know, but I don't think people quite understand just how Good of a talent that he is at the defensive end position. Want to talk a little bit about Will McDonald, the fourth, who is a all Big 12 selection out of Iowa State over the last couple of years. Six foot three and four eighths, so six, three and a half, 241 pounds, which was a big measurement. It might not sound like much for an edge rusher, but he played more in the 225 to 227 range. This past year and there are question marks about if will was a would be able to hold enough weight on his frame showed up 15 plus pounds heavier than what he played this past season so 241 pounds was a big mark. He has a very interesting body type though because at that height and weight you would probably expect him to proportionally maybe be around like 33 inch arms. 35 inch arms and an 82 and three quarter inch wingspan. My guy is long as all heck. Incredible length. If you turn on an Iowa State film, it's really frustrating to watch Will McDonald's because Iowa State runs a bunch of three man fronts where they're asking him to be a 4-4i at 220-something pounds. For conversation piece, usually guys that are playing that spot are like six four. 6'5", 280, 275 at least, 290 sometimes. They're more interior defensive linemen than they are true edge rushers. Does not fit Will's style. Despite that, McDonald had a couple really impressive seasons to to end his Iowa State career. Twitchy, explosive, bendy pass rusher. I was excited to see him down at the Senior Bowl because – you finally got to see him from wide alignments and to rush what he will actually be doing at the next level. And you saw it all week, man. There were just ability to win, to to just run around the track with speed. There was ability to hit some inside counters. He hit a crazy spin mood yesterday against Darnell Wright, who is an offensive tackle out of Tennessee that some people are pretty high on. Will McDonald had a tremendous week. And showing that pass rush upside and a more traditional role, showing that he could hold that weight effectively and not sacrifice athleticism. It was a big time week for Will McDonald. And now he has an opportunity to go to the combine where if you follow his background in high school, he was a six ten high jumper coming out of high school. This kid is going to blow the doors, the roof off Indianapolis, they're gonna do that. And it is good in Lucas Oil Stadium. He is an opportunity to be one of the biggest risers in this class at the defensive end position because after Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, some people including that conversation. The question is like who is that next tier of pass rushers, right? You know, the Isaiah Foskey's of the world, the Derek Hall out of, out of Al Auburn's of the world. I think Will McDonald is gonna be a first round pick when all is said and done because he's an athletic freak. He's shown that his body is, is capable of holding the weight, and there is just tremendous upside as a pass rusher in the 2023 NFL draft class. So Will McDonald is a really impressive football player, a guy that I think people need to get kind of their eyes on more because there is just some untapped potential from a traditional outside track perspective from a Will McDonald. So big fan of Will, had a tremendous week. Last guy I want to highlight was a player that really flashed on the day two of this week on the on-field drills. That is Ade Adeboire, who is a defensive end, defensive lineman, out of Northwestern. If you watched him for Northwestern this year, very productive football player, man, tough football player. Was number 99 for Northwestern. Played this past year in the 260-something range. He had a bit of a body transformation coming into the week, which was cool to see. So he played in the two sixties. He showed up at 284 pounds. He is one of the weirdest body types that you're ever going to see. He's a sawed off six, one and five eight. So six, one and a half, 284 pound player. You're like, okay, you know, gaining weight to play in the interior, but he has 34 inch arms. He has a six ten wingspan. And We're talking proportional length, right? So if I told you a kid was around six foot two, you would assume that his arm length would be, or his wingspan, excuse me, would be about six foot two. That's usually how that proportional length stuff works. He is a six two, he's less than six foot two, but has a six 10 wingspan. Weird, weird body type. But what was so cool about this, this development over the last couple of days for Atabuare is you saw him day one, he is just a freak show from a strength perspective, man. He can't get moves. He's got that stout frame. He's got a really powerful lower half. Former high-accoladed high shot putter in high school, which doesn't make which doesn't surprise anyone that he's a really powerful, dense dude. And if you've seen him, just kind of pictures of him, my guy has not missed a day in the weight room. Very strong young man in Adeware, and he was immovable during the running run blocking conversation of, of the practice, like just could not be moved. But what caught my attention most was day two. He unlocked something. Cause he saw, you saw flashes of it in day one, but you saw the impact that he could have as a pass rusher. He wasn't just having slow wins as a pass rusher, you know, using power and then getting off late and clean up sacks. Like that's usually what you think, right? At a boy was winning quick and reps, swims, cross chops, club rips. There was everything in his bag on day 2. And he shows that as a interior player, playing more of a 3 tech role, maybe playing out to a 5 at times, he could be an impressive interior rusher on top of the fact that he is a really dense dude that is at least going to be a really good run defender at the next level. And I think he has the upside where if he puts it all together on the interior, he could be a guy that has starting talents at three tech on the next level. It's still a little bit of a projection, but you saw mobile that he has that type of talent and that type of upside. So Adio Adeboire out of Northwestern defensive lineman, strange football player, weird profile, but tremendous, tremendous week in mobile. And I think he has starting talent at the next level. So that's the six that I have for you all as far as risers throughout the week. Next week, on next week's show, I'll kind of do maybe a little bit of a shorter recap just upon a a couple additional notes that I had the week, some impression, maybe some intel I get from behind the scenes on the NFL level as far as some guys that really impressed. But that's going to do it for this portion. I'm going to hit the mailbag next, but thank you all so much for listening to this part of the podcast. If you could hit that like button, subscribe. Share the podcast, especially since this is the first one. I really appreciate a Share five-star reviews. Tell them that the Rise Rise and NFL Draft Podcast was an incredible addition to CFB Nation. Would really much appreciate that. should also go to subscribe to CFB Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the YouTube channel if you're listening to it that way. All right, so on the Irish Breakdown message board, I posted, literally, give me draft questions to start this week. So I had a bunch of questions that were knocked in. I'm going to try to knock out as many as I can over the next 10-ish minutes. We'll try to get through this mailbag a little bit quicker. But from Bad Irish 2021, he said, How many Notre Dame players ultimately go in the first round? Thank you. Well, Bad Irish, I would say this. Coming into this week, the only player that I honestly, of the players that declare for the 2023 NFL draft that I think have a legitimate shot coming into the week was defensive end Isaiah Foskey. That's the only one. Jared Patterson, I think, had a really nice day too, and is hoping to continue that momentum, obviously, going into the game on Saturday. But I still think that Jared Patterson ultimately, at best case, is probably a third-round pick with with the durability concerns and a little bit of inconsistent play over the last couple years. Probably more a third- to fourth-round pick somewhere in there. Brandon Joseph, I think, is kind of even lower down, a little bit in the same boat, though. He's more of a mid-round type of player. And outside of that, you're just talking about like the depth of this class, right? Jason Adam is more of a day three player. Justin Adam is probably a priority free agent. Isaiah Foskey has the profile where he should be a first round pick when it's all said and done. Just from the simple fact that he is right around six foot five. He was six four and seven ace, two hundred and sixty-two pounds, had an 81 plus inch wingspan. The guy looks like the looks the part, right? And you saw it this week during during the senior bowl that the flashes are incredible. They really are, man. Like, he is one of the most physically gifted pass rushers in this year's class. It's just so inconsistent right now from a pass rush plan perspective. When he's able to just use speed to power, use a long arm, he's almost unstoppable. But when he's matching against guys that can match him with length and power, he needs to go to his bag a little bit. And in day two, you saw... Him go gets McClendon Curtis, who's an offensive lineman out of Chattanooga, and hit him hit a little double swipe up the up the arc. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. That was great to see. But then he tries a, a little bit of a, a spin move against Blake Freeling out of BYU in the same practice, and he just kind of gets stuck because it's just a poorly timed spin. So there's moves that need to be added to the arsenal. I think if he has a big combine, he could still go in the first round. But I think more he's in the top 50-ish range, range leaving the week because I think you saw all the talent you need to see, but you still see that it's not a finished product or near a finished product, I should say. No no player going to the NFL draft is a finished product, but he still needs some work in that regard from a plan perspective. So I say the most is, is it's one. Isaiah Foskey is, is the only player that I think has a chance to go in the first round. I think that's a question mark right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does make it because talent-wise, man, he is absolutely incredible. From Darvis on the message board, he asked, who's your favorite draft prospect at the moment and who do you hope drafts them? That's so tough. People ask me this all the time. Like, who's your favorite prospect in this class? I'm just like, you need to tell me a position, man. Like, I need to hear a position, right? Like, I need it. I think one guy that I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for, honestly, as far as being on him very early is Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. That's one, the cornerback who – was a senior bowl invitee. He accepted it, but then declined his invitation last minute because, you know, he's a kind of viewed as a first round caliber player at this point. And he doesn't really have much to prove from a senior bowl perspective, but I love how this kid plays. I love it. I mean, he's not the biggest corner in the world. He's a hair under six foot. He's 185 ish pounds, 31 and some odd inch arms. So like nothing pops from a physical perspective, but the intelligence that Devin Witherspoon plays with is just phenomenal, man. It really is. He sees the game at such a clear, concise, and quick manner. Like, he see things develop so fast, able to redirect, has good foot quickness, good change of direction, and he is just beyond physical and competitive. I love this kid, man. He plays a, a big boy brand of football, which I respect tremendously. I mean, he plays the game like everyone should play the game. And I, I just – I genuinely love watching Devin Witherspoon play. Reminds me a lot of Kyle Fuller coming out of Virginia Tech with just the physicality tackling ability that he has. But I even think he has more upside than a Will Fuller. I think that he's going to be a – sorry, a, a, a Kyle Fuller, not a Will Fuller. <laughs> but I think that Devin Witherspoon is going to go in the top 20 picks. I think he's going to be a cornerback one for someone down the road. Really good football player in my in my estimation. And I, I hope he tests well because I feel like he might not test the best and some people will start overthinking him a little bit down this draft process, but just such a good football player.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning
0: for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: I mentioned a couple of my favorites earlier in the show. Dan Henley, a linebacker out of linebacker out of Washington State, that was a Nevada transfer, really talented football player. Kind of you know fits the modern style of a linebacker. Keanu Benton, defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, is a really dense, physical dude who's a who I've been a big fan of for some time. Will Anderson uh, is obviously a fan favorite from Alabama with what he's been able to do. But I I also really like Will McDonald, the fourth, out of Iowa State. I think that he is a bendy outside track rusher that is going to be a lot more productive as a pro than he was a college player, which I think is overstated sometimes. But I I genuinely do believe that about Will McDonald. So those are a few of the favorites. As for Fitz, I mean, that's just such a broad stroke, right? I mean, I, I would rather answer... You know, do I, do I think that Will McDonald fits with this team, for instance, right? Like, I, I'd rather answer those types of questions. But those are a few for me, Darvis, that are just a few of my favorite players in this class. And, you know, if there's any other questions that you may have moving forward as far as fits with certain teams, that type of stuff, we can definitely have that conversation. But those are definitely a few of the guys that I love tremendously in this class. I had a question from K. Moore24. Thank you for the question. This is Ryan, two part question. What is your opinion of Dalton Kincaid in the draft? Uh, sorry, what is the opinion of Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah, in the draft community? And if you are the Bengals coming off of a heartbreaking loss to the Chiefs, who are you looking at late in the first? Thank you. So Dalton Kincaid, I think there's a lot of misopinions about him. Honestly, I mean, the, the NFL seems to value him pretty heavily. You're seeing guys like Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, who's very plugged into the process, really start to, to you know go to bat for a guy like a Dalton Kincaid. I think Dalton is a good athlete, pretty smooth in and out of breaks, and he's a really good catch point guy. has great hands and ability to win through contact, doesn't block at all, doesn't offer much after the catch. I'm a little bit lower on Dalton Kincaid. Like If you told me he was a third to fourth round pick, I would be like, yes, that is where I am. But I am here in top 50 right now. I'm hearing that some teams may have him as their top tight end off the board, which is just ridiculous in my opinion. Like I just don't think that that is a smart evaluation. I don't think that's a good process. It's just a solid process at all. So, but there is mixed opinions. I think that there's a lot to like about Dalton, but I also think there's some drawbacks that people aren't talking about as much as they should be right now. As for what the Bengals should be coming going for after a heartbreaking loss, I mean the Bengals have a great roster, man. They really do. I mean, I think you saw Quarterback, obviously, Joe Burrow's fantastic. The wide receivers of Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, it's a fantastic receiver core. I know that they're potentially losing Tyler Boyd this offseason, but incredibly impactful uh, wide receiver group that they have even without Tyler Boyd. Offensive line has been getting better. I mean, I think that's always a place that you can put your attention to, especially with Jonah Williams obviously getting hurt during the playoffs this year. Defensively, I think they're rock solid all the way around. I mean, but I think that cornerback is one – that I look at, you know, Eli Apple, everyone throws memes at him, and it's it's for good reason. He's not a very good football player. I think you could upgrade the cornerback position. So whether that's a guy like a Clark Phillips or a Keely Ringo or a, you know, a Joey Porter Jr., if he's there at that slot, Christian Gonzalez is probably going to go a little before that. I, I think that there's going to be some corners off the board at that spot that would make a ton of sense or on the board at that spot. I think that would make a lot of sense. Offensive line is one where you can never have a good enough offensive line, man. You could always improve in that department. So, I mean, there's going to be some guys like Jalen Duncan from Maryland, who's a talented player who might sneak into the late stages of the first round. DeJuan Jones is a guy from Ohio state that a lot of people like I'm a little lower than that evaluation, but there's going to be some options at that spot. And then tight end, I think, is an interesting one. You know, I know no one likes to draft tight ends in the first round, whatever, but if, if there is a legitimate slide that happens, let's say, with a Michael Mayer, for instance, right, and he falls to the Bengals pick of that slot, Hayden Hurst is a solid little football player, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Michael Mayer is a much more impactful football player, right? So if you're talking about a passing game that has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd potentially coming back, and then Michael Mayer, Good luck. <laughs> Good luck defending that, man. I, I could it could not be me. I would never wanted to play play against that at all. So that is uh that's kind of where I'm mo- uh lo- lo- moving towards as far as the spots though. I think that offensive line is a spot that you could always upgrade. Cornerback is a spot that you can always upgrade, and the Bengals should, especially the you know, app- Apple side of things. And then tight end, I think, is a sneaky need for the team. I have from Vanilla Chill. What is your draft opinion on Ty J Spears? He is the running back out of Tulane, impressed in the Cotton Bowl. It sounds like he's doing uh, doing well in the Senior Bowl practices. So he may even be rising a lot of teams' draft boards. Also, have you had an opinion on Rasheed Rice from SMU? Where do you see Minnesota Center going in the draft? Minnesota Center, of course, is John Michael Schmidt. So I talked about in the first section of this podcast. So I'll start with TyJ Spears. Smaller running back, right around 5'9", 200 pounds, not biggest back in the world. But what he has is tremendous ability to impact the field from a space perspective, man. He is twitchy. He's explosive. He is cat quick. I like him in a departmentalized role. I think we have to understand how TyJ Spears is going to be used on the next level. He is not going to be at every down back. He's not going to be a 300-touch-a-guy a, guy a year back. But he could be a Giovanni Bernard type. That is just a really impactful change of pace back who can also impact the game tremendously on third down. So he is having a big week. You're very correct in that regard. He's having a really nice senior bowl. Most people down there think that he has been the best running back in attendance. And I, based on everything I've seen, I can't necessarily disagree with that. I just think you need to have the right mindset of what he can do for you that makes, you know, that that can impact your team the best. Don't try to make him something he's not, because he's not gonna be an every down back. He's not gonna be a power runner, but as a change of pace back who can also impact third downs, Tajay Spears can play. Rasheed Rice out of SMU is a really Twitchy after catch type of receiver. I think his speed is is good. I think he can affect the game on a vertical level. But the best parts of Rasheed Rice, in my opinion, is his ability to create things after the catch. I'm not in love with his ball skills to track down the field. I'm not in love with his hands just in general. But get the football in his hands, and he is a really nice space player. So Rasheed Rice is a nice day two option for a team that utilizes Yak a ton at the wide receiver position. I think that he has. Tremendous opportunity to impact the team in that regard. Like a San Francisco 49ers is like a perfect fit for him to be that type of player after the catch. Minnesota center, of course, again, is, is John Michael Schmitz. I think he eventually becomes the first center off the board. That could be a late first-round pick. That could be an early second-round pick. It really depends on where certain runs at some positions start, but I think he's a slam-dunk top-50 player, probably more of a top-40 player at this point, and I think that he could sneak into the back end of the first round. We had another question from Clint Duggar, who said, I'm interested in the quarterback order. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. Or does Anthony Richardson go ahead of Levis? Some have Levis ahead of Stroud. Interesting in your take. So, Clint, for me, the question is – are you asking me my order or are you asking me what I think the order will be? Cause there are two completely different things. My order would personally be out of those three and including Anthony Richardson. I would take Bryce Young and CJ Stroud in the top 10 of this draft. After that, I wouldn't really be comfortable taking Will Levis or Anthony Richardson until the second rounds. But realistically, that's not going to happen. Teams gamble on quarterbacks almost every single year and they show that they are going to gamble on traits. And both Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are very talented kids, right? If it was up to me, though, that's top two, Then I would take Anthony Richardson somewhere on day two before I would take Will Levis. I would. Because I think that you could be patient with Anthony Richardson. I think you need to be patient with both of them. But if I'm being patient with both of them, give me the younger and more talented quarterback, in my opinion, of Anthony Richardson. That's where my order would be. Ultimately, this is what I think it ends up being, which is just head, head it's shaking my head, literally. Bryce Young, I think, ends up going to be the first quarterback off the board. I think Will Levis is the second quarterback off the board. I believe that CJ Stroud will be the third, and then Anthony Richardson is the fourth. Will Levis' hype is way too much. I think there's some some things that we're lauding him for that aren't quite there on film, to be very honest with you. But that's where this board is right now. Is that I think that there's no chance, zero chance that Will Levis gets out of the top four picks. Zero chance he gets out of the top five picks. It's just, yeah, you're just, just where we are right now. And we could argue the the validity if that should happen, and I'll be on your side most likely. But that's where we are in the in the state of state of the NFL draft as it is in this landscape. Question from KMAC81. What are this year's deepest positions? Do the Giants need to go wide receiver in the first, or is it still a case of best player available with so many needs? Huge draft fan, always attend first-round draft parties in London, or have uh, lads round in the man cave? Love it. Love it. KMAC, thank you so much for the question. Deepest positions. Cornerback, I think, is a deep position. I I am not in love with the top of the cornerback class like some are, but it has so many dudes that you need to pay attention to. I mean, from the Clark Phillipses of the world, the Devin Witherspoons, the Keeley Ringos, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., uh, moving down the board to, to guys like Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford. like It is just a Joshua Brents out of Kansas State, another really talented, unique football player. It's a crazy deep board. It really is. So I think that that is – the, maybe the deepest position in this year's class. I really do. It is a ridiculously deep cornerback board as it is at defensive end, pass rusher, edge. You have the Will Andersons of the world that everyone knows. You have the Miles Murphys. Again, we're talking about guys like Tyree Wilson. We're talking about Isaiah Foskey, Will McDonald, Derek Hall. There, there are so many guys in this year's class that deserve mention and are really talented pass rushers. They really are. I do think there's a clear tear break after the first two or three. But there is a lot of depth to be had in this class. So edge, cornerback, and then two on the offensive side of the ball, quietly, well, not as quietly at running back, but running back is a big one. I mean, because everyone's going to talk about Bijan Robinson up top, but you have some really talented players behind him, the Jameer Gibbses of the world, the Zach Evans, the Muhammad Ibrahams, the Zach Charbonnets, I, Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. Like there's just a ridiculous amount of running backs. And there's also a ridiculous amount of tight ends this year. I think that is a clear-cut Michael Mayer's tight end one. But, I mean, there is a lot of depth in this class. I mean, Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave. There's a lot of dudes that you look at and say, that could eventually be a starting tight end or at least a really good complementary piece to a tight end room. So I think tight ends and running back on the offensive side of the football, I think cornerback and edge are loaded on the defensive side of the ball. And a great question. I hope you enjoy the uh, the man cave out there as well. Lads night. And uh, also, K-Mac had another question. Will we be doing positional rankings? On this podcast, we will be doing positional rankings. Yes. Every Thursday, 8 o'clock Eastern, these shows will be out. The first couple will probably be recorded. And then after that, we'll be doing live shows leading up to the draft. So I'll be breaking down position by position. I'll be going positional rankings. We'll do some mock drafts at some point. I'll be doing, doing just kind of rumor mill stuff, what I'm hearing around the league, players on the rise, players maybe falling a little bit. Absolutely K Mac. We'll be doing positional rankings. And the last question of the night is from Hoffer Domer. Says, who is the best quarterback for the Colts at pick four to build around for the future? Again, I I think that this one is – who do I think it is? I think it's C.J. Shroud. I do. Bryce Young would be the first pick for me. If you get lucky enough that if Chicago gets stuck with the first pick and they're not able to trade that pick – And the first quarterback doesn't go off until number two to the Houston Texans. I think that if you're Indianapolis – and this honestly might not – this might be a possibility even if that trade scenario does happen. But I think that there's a legitimate scenario where C.J. Stroud is going to be there at pick four. And he is exactly what Indianapolis needs in my opinion. He does a lot of the stuff that you want at the quarterback position in structure. And I think that he just gives you a really nice baseline. And I do think that there's still – some untapped potential for him outside of structure because you've seen it, right? I mean, you're a Notre Dame fan, right? So you saw against Notre Dame when he was asked to vacate the pocket and make some throws on the run. CJ Stroud was able to do that stuff, just wasn't consistent enough, and it looked like pressure bothered him at times. But I think that he is a really talented quarterback, top 10 pick in my estimation, and in this situation, I think Colts fans might be lucky enough that a team's going to trade up to number one. Maybe it's the Colts. Maybe it's not. They draft Bryce Young. Then I think number two overall, Bryce Will Levis probably comes off the board. And then C.J. Stroud might be staring you right in the face at pick four. And I think, honestly, that's the best case scenario on t- outside of Bryce Young somehow falling to number four because people overthought his, his height too much or whatever. But that's kind of what I see as you know the, the best case scenario is that I think C.J. Stroud that pick four would be tremendous value for the Annapolis Colts. And that's going to do it for the first edition of the Rise and NFL Draft podcast on the CFB Nation channel brought to you and sponsored by IrishBreakdown.com. want to thank everybody so much. Again, I'll be doing these every single week, 8 o'clock Eastern. Make sure to set your notifications. So subscribe to CFB Nation on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as make sure that you are have your notifications done for this podcast, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel so that you're always up to date on the latest happenings. Five-star reviews, as always, folks, are very much appreciated. These are going to be really fun for me. I'm already doing the work from the NFL Draft side of things, so I might as well kind of put my my opinion out into the universe, and I'm really going to enjoy these things, especially leading up to the the NFL Draft. I plan to most likely be out in Indianapolis for the Combine, so hopefully I'll be able to do some nice player interview stuff on the channel at that point as well. But thank you all for listening to the first episode. Ryan Roberts here, Director of Scouting at IrishBreakdown.com, NFL Draft Analyst for RyersonDraft.com. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your week, and I will join you again next Thursday nights, 8 o'clock Eastern, live on the CFB Nation channel.